you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And we have made it almost all the way through week nine. There's still one more game to be played tonight. We will talk about that a little bit later on in this show. Of course, Kimmy Checks will join us as she always does on a Monday. We'll go through some of the waiver wire options out there for you. And we're going to look at a trio of young quarterbacks who played on Sunday and kind of get the pulse of where we think they're headed for the rest of the season. So we've got all that and plenty more. But before we do any of that, we'll talk to our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. And Murph, I the Fighting Irish, huge win for them uh, over the weekend. That was exciting. It's a pretty good weekend for me. Uh, first time in a while. Yeah, I mean, that game, uh, I it made me – it was such a good win, I was, like, emotional. Because usually my team just blow those games. Like, the close ones, like, ah, you gave your best effort and you, you lost somehow. And, uh, I mean, that was just uh, – like, when Ian Book fumbled uh, in the end zone, I was like, oh, this is the end of the game. And then just to win dramatic fashion in overtime and – and credit to, to DJ on Clemson. I mean, like true freshman, he was as good as could be. Um, really no gap between him and how Trevor Lawrence has been playing. Um, Notre Dame won strictly because they stopped their run. And that was just, it was absolutely fantastic. And uh, hopefully no hiccups the rest of the way. And just get that team to the ACC t- uh, title game. And then we'll take it from there. Yeah, well, it could very well be a rematch in the ACC title game. And then you mentioned uh, it was a good weekend. The, the Giants get a win, too. So I, it, oh. it was a good weekend all around for you. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's – I mean, uh, my, uh, my DJ, uh, Daniel Jones, that's the, the only team he could beat is uh, is Washington. But <laughs> um, but a lot of positives from that game, too. I mean, they have a really good defense, good defensive line. And the Giants' own line, which has been a problem all season long, um, stood up for him. I believe he is, like, the third highest uh, PFF grade from passing within the pocket, which is fantastic news. It's exactly what the Giants need. So. I mean, yeah, like just a, too good of a weekend for me. So I got to I gotta like lock myself in my room and just make sure like nothing bad happens to me today. <laughs> Absolutely. Enjoy your victory Monday because uh, I'm sure it was certainly well worth the wait. All right. We'll turn our attention now to the one and only Kimmy Checks joining us on a Monday. And I hear you guys did not go with the smoked meats route, but you had something equally delicious uh, to eat on Sunday for football. <laughs> We did it, and it's so funny. Um, last week, after I was talking about Traeger and that we smoke week, uh, that we smoke meats every single weekend, someone, one of our amazing listeners, messaged me on Instagram. Was like, "I'm a Traeger ambassador. I can send you all the recipes." So for all my Traeger people out there, hit me up. But no, we were lazy this weekend, and we went and ordered Popeyes last night and watched Sunday Night Football, which was equally as as amazing. Uh, if you've ever had Popeyes, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and get your small joys where you can find them uh, without a doubt. Uh, all right, let's start with some fantasy headlines. And unfortunately, no small joys at the top of this segment of news. Christian McCaffrey, who made his return yesterday and played very well for the Panthers in a loss, apparently 
injured his shoulder and is expected to miss some time. That is according to our own Ian Rappaport. So I guess the first and most obvious question, Kimmy, is does this mean Mike Davis has re-entered the chat? I mean, I think I think it has to. And I know Mike Davis has been a little bit of a disappointment, disappointment, excuse me, the last few weeks. But you have to look at what he did earlier on in the season. He really did fill the void of Christian McCaffrey, and he was productive. So if you still have shares of Mike Davis and you didn't dump him off, which was very smart, I think he re-enters the conversation and should be a starter. But it also kind of poses the question of what happens if you weren't lucky enough to have Mike Davis? Uh, another thing that was that we're not really mentioning or talking about with this Christian McCaffrey conversation is that the Panthers have a bye week in week 13, which is right when the fantasy playoffs begin. So then begs the question, what do we do and, and how do we move forward, especially if we have a hole at that running back position? That is, is sort of the million-dollar question right now. I would say that for a lot of people – you have sort of figured out how to navigate around Christian McCaffrey, especially if you weren't lucky enough to go get Mike Davis off the waiver wire. So it is going to sort of be kind of plug and play for a while for you now. We'll see how long this is going to keep him out. I mean, this news is just sort of hitting just as we or just before we started recording this show. So we're still learning a lot of the details. So but but you are going to have to sort of navigate around this. I mean, uh, you're going to play the waiver wire. You're going to find which guys are out there probably on a week to week basis and try to plug them in as best as possible based on the matchup. I would say another way to maybe try to navigate this is to kind of use the flex spot, right? If you can find a running back, if you have another running back that you feel okay with, you put that person in your RB1 or RB2 spot and you play the flex. I mean, Curtis Samuel might get some more opportunity now because of no Christian McCaffrey. We've seen the last few weeks, he's been a big part of this Carolina offense, but there is no easy answer because and we, we said this the first time he went down with the ankle injury that there's no easy way to replace a guy like Christian McCaffrey. He was the number one overall pick in most leagues for a reason. And so you are going to have to sort of, you know, bubble gum and, and spit and duct tape and try to you know, figure out how to put this lineup together for the rest of the season. And yeah, that buy in week 13 is not going to do anyone any favors. That was a quirk of the schedule, obviously, this year because of COVID-19 and the way things kind of shook out. So you do have teams that are on buy right at the start of the fantasy playoffs, and that is going to upend a whole lot of things. Uh, this is not going to be fun. It is not going to be good. And, and look, as somebody who has Christian McCaffrey in a league or two, I understand. I am feeling that level of pain as well. All right. Staying in the division, a interesting uh, Sunday night football game between the Saints and the Buccaneers. It was definitely not what we thought it would be. The Saints just laid the smackdown pretty much from the beginning, destroying the Buccaneers in that one. And Tom Brady, it was a rough night for him. Antonio Brown didn't do much of anything. He did have one catch sort of late in that game, which he weirdly celebrated. But then again, I guess that's Antonio Brown for you. Um, so I guess that's the first question, though, right? Because we were so interested in seeing A.B. get on the field with this team and nothing really happened. How are we feeling about this after one game? 
I mean, yeah, small sample size. Let's just start with how do we feel about this after one game. And obviously this wasn't even the game to really get a good example of what Tom Brady and Antonio Brown can do on the football field because the Saints completely shut them down. You see it right here on the topic bar. Antonio Brown had five targets, three receptions, 31 yards. He finished with six fantasy points. I think I had a higher projection for him. But you have to look at Tom Brady and, and the fact that they just didn't pass the ball well at all. The Saints secondary was targeting. Antonio Brown really, really heavily. So I, I think that's why he wasn't involved uh, in the passing game. I don't quite know what this means moving forward. You have to look at their schedule from here on out. Next up, they play the Jets. Then they take on the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the Falcons, uh, and then they're on a bye. So I, I really don't know what to do about this. I think Antonio Brown is a flex play at best because what we've seen the last few weeks is that Tom Brady really likes to spread the ball to multiple receiving options. Uh, Antonio Brown now will be one of those, but I don't expect him to have the continual bulk of targets. The possibility of Antonio Brown not having a great game was always in the range of outcomes. I mean, I feel like all of us, and, and you included, Kimmy, said if you're playing Antonio Brown, it is – a little bit of a YOLO play because we had no idea exactly what was going to happen. I mean, Bruce Arians made the point he could play 10 snaps. He could play, you know, 30 to 40 snaps. We just don't know. We thought, we hoped that maybe Tom Brady would sort of try to force the issue a little bit to get the ball into Antonio Brown's hands, but that just wasn't the case. And, and so we all sort of knew that this was a possibility. And look, if you went out and you invested some some free agent capital, whether it's a, a waiver wire priority, whether it was some some of your fab budget, whatever it was, uh, you knew that this was potentially going to happen. But you're also not going to just you know abandon ship after one game. And you mentioned some of the games that are coming up. I mean, the, the Jets are coming up. That potentially is a get right game for this offense. So we still, I think, need to sort of see how A.B. fits in alongside Chris Godwin, alongside Mike Evans, who, you know, again, that offense didn't do much as a as a whole, so it's not like you had any real individual standout performances there. So we still are trying to figure out uh, how this group is all going to work together. So maybe we just, you know, we try again next week and we, and we see again next week what's going to happen. As for Tom Brady, what do we do with him next week? I mean, you know, we were sort of saying he was a matchup-based starter, uh, you know, they've got you know some games coming up. The Carolina Panthers, for instance, on the schedule who have been tough on quarterbacks. Is he still just kind of a matchup-based guy right now? I mean, he absolutely is. And speaking of this Panthers game, they are 10th best amongst quarterbacks, or excuse me, against quarterbacks this season. So I've been saying that Tom Brady was a streaming quarterback this entire season. And actually, I have full confidence saying I'm going to sit him next week. I understand that he's kind of a boom or bust guy. He has these games where he does absolutely nothing, like last night. And then he has other games where he goes out and throws five touchdowns and has like 35 fantasy points. Uh, for me, it's just way too much of a, of a risky play. And I do have some other quarterback options and some guys on who are probably available on the waiver wire that we're going to chat later on in the show but I think just have a lot more better consistency so Tom Brady he's a fade for me especially next week against the Panthers but then like we said things could look up uh against the New York Jets but can I say one thing I, also can I say one thing yes, please I'm just please. really happy that Tom Brady shook Drew Brees's hand that's all <laughs> I know that was sort of an issue earlier in the year. I think was it against the uh, the Bears? Was it? Uh, yeah, he, refu he, he refuses to shake hand. Nick Foles' hand. Yeah, yeah, I know that was uh, you know there was there was handshake Gazi for a while. Uh, so we we put this one to bed at least with Drew Brees. <laughs> so that was 
that was good to see. Um, as as for Brady himself, I, again, I'm I'm staying where I was with him at the beginning of the season that I I had him right around the quarterback eleven or twelve. Uh, he's a fringe QB one in a lot of leagues, and I think he's still there. He's going to have those big games. He's going to have some not so big games. Obviously, you didn't think a two point game was necessarily in the offing, but you know this is where we are. So. Uh, you know, I think you still play it week by week, and chances are if you have Tom Brady, you probably have another quarterback on your roster or there are some guys out on the waiver wire that you can get to. And as Kimmy mentioned, we'll talk about those a little bit later on in the show. So uh, I think still everything is what it was with Tom Brady. There's no need to really freak out other than if you played him and you got a two and now you're losing and um, you're probably, you know, punching the air right now. So uh, good luck with that. <laughs> Over to Minnesota. Dalvin Cook does it again. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, he had a blow-up game that got you over 40 points. This week, he got you well over 30 points, nearly 40 points again for Dalvin Cook. So on Friday with Michael F. Florio on this show, we talked about uh, Devontae Adams and, and his huge performances and whether or not uh, he's worthy of being in the fantasy MVP conversation. I'm going to ask about Dalvin Cook, and you know, maybe this is recency bias or being caught up in the moment, but where does he fit potentially in this fantasy MVP race? Oh, he's 100% in there. And for for someone who's a non-quarterback, he's the number one MVP option for me uh, right behind, or right above, excuse me, Alvin Kamara. I, I understand that you're saying, oh, maybe this was just the last few weeks where he put up over 40 fantasy points and now he put up 39 fantasy points, whatever it may be. But guys, his, his lowest scoring fantasy point game this season was 17 fantasy points. The consistency has been there all along. I mean, you see this team, they're a very run-heavy team, even though they're very good, Kirk Cousins is, uh, with a good deep ball threat, especially with Adam Thielen. They understand where their strengths are, and their strengths are in Dalvin Cook. He rushed the ball 22 times for 206 yards and two touchdowns against the Lions. They're, like he's, he's dynamic. He's involved in the passing game and the run game. He also had two receptions for 46 yards. You have to understand that this guy is an MVP-like form, and he is a fantasy MVP for sure if you're lucky enough to have him on your squad. He right now is the RB2, just about 10 points behind Alvin Kamara. And that's having missed the game because of injuries. So uh, if you, it look maybe maybe something happens and he doesn't score ten points in that one game he played. It was against the Falcons, but so chances are he probably does. So he very well could be your RB one right now. He scored a touchdown in every game he's played. He's had multiple touchdowns in four of the games he's played. Uh, look, I, I'm not going to necessarily crown him MVP, but I think. You put him, you put Alvin Kamara, you put Devontae Adams, those three guys on that name, on those names on my board over my shoulder here. You put them all in the race right now for the fantasy MVP. And who knows? Maybe when it's all said and done, it ends up being a quarterback. It ends up being, I don't know, Russell Wilson or Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or somebody like that. But I think that all three of those guys are very much in the conversation. And I know that, you know, last week when we tweeted out the video about Devontae Adams, a couple people were like, well, he was a first-round pick, LOL. I'm like, I don't know why that's disqualifying. Like, I don't understand <laughs> that being – I mean, look, Christian McCaffrey a couple years ago or last year was a fantasy MVP. He was a high first-round pick. So I don't think where you draft somebody uh, is necessarily disqualifying of them being an MVP candidate if they are playing well enough to be an MVP candidate. Speaking of which, Lamar Jackson was a fantasy MVP, certainly uh, in his time. He was also an NFL MVP, but so far Lamar has been kind of meh. 
And it was, again, sort of on display on Sunday. Admittedly, it was against a good Colts defense, but just 18 fantasy points. And we haven't had the huge Lamar Jackson blow-up game that we were expecting. So I just have to ask, are we at a point where he's – is he still an every-week automatic plug-him-into-your-lineup starter? I mean, come on. Yes, of course he is because you have to look at the upside. He rushes the ball. That's part of the reason why he got to his MVP status last year, both in fantasy and in real terms of the NFL. I understand that he's not been playing and throwing the ball the same way that we saw last season. But you just saw you just saw him run into the end zone. He has that huge upside. So I understand that he's not completely blown up uh, in one week this season. But he just scored his third rushing touchdown on the season this week. Uh, and he also completed 19 of 23 passes. He's a good quarterback. He just may not be the fantasy MVP this year. And that's fine. Yes, I, you are absolutely right. And I think, you know, but I do think there are going to be people who are sort of freaking out a little bit. I mean, you know, he, he hasn't had a 30-point game yet this year. Uh, he's only had three games where he's thrown for more than 200 yards. Uh, he hasn't had 250 yards since week one. And he's not running generally as much as he was last year. There are definitely some things about this Ravens offense that are different but, and you know, Adam Rank pointed this out last week, at least before the game that he was the QB 10, I think he is at the moment sitting at, at QB 11, but he is still a QB one in most leagues. And you're right, that rushing floor is going to keep him propped up. It is going to be the reason that you can't really fade him in any given week. It, I know for people who like to wait on a quarterback, this will be the cautionary tale, right? Of why you don't necessarily reach early for quarterbacks. To which point I'll look back and I'll say, Patrick Mahomes. Um, but, you know, I think, I, I do think, you know, I do think it's sort of that it will reinforce that belief of, of if you wait on a quarterback, this is going to sort of reinforce that. But in the end, Lamar is still putting up numbers that will make you at least competitive week to week in your fantasy leagues. So even if he's not giving you the huge bananas weeks uh, consistently, you're at least still getting good production from him. And look, it could be worse. You could be out there trying to stream quarterbacks and fight on the waiver wire week to week. At least, you know, you have some security in that position. Speaking of which, our last little bit of uh, headline here, Josh Allen looks like he's back at least for one week, had a huge game against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. And we were all sort of pegging this as potentially a get right game. I know you were big on him this past week, Kimmy. So after what we saw on Sunday, are we cool now? Is it all good? Oh, we are. We are the closest friends now. Josh Allen and I, we are homies. <laughs> He's invited to the cookout. He's invited to the wedding. Uh, we're good. And, and like you said, we did expect this to be a, a get right bounce back game just because of the amount of points that the Seahawks have allowed to fantasy quarterbacks this season. But it really did, did show and remind us that Josh Allen is an incredible quarterback. 415 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown himself. I think the really exciting thing is, is what's going to happen next week when he takes on Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals? We saw the other game that the Seahawks lost this season was against Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, and now the Bills just beat them again. So now, you know, earlier on in the season, all three of those guys were in the MVP conversation, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray. So now we're going to fully see those two, Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, on full display. So I'm really excited to start him yet again and know that we are cool and he's never going to uh, <laughs> uh, crash and not be fantasy relevant again or else we're going to have problems. Here's the thing, though, because you know, just like we talked about with Lamar Jackson, you know, 
for the most part, Josh Allen has still given you some usable weeks. He had those three weeks where he was around 15, 16 fantasy points. He had the 12 that he put up uh, against the Patriots in what was just kind of an ugly game. But for the most part, he's not giving you these these gruesome-looking floor plays. And I think that's sort of the reason that you kind of kept going back to him because you felt like at some point it was going to turn again, that it was going to come back the right way. And like Lamar Jackson, he still gives you a semi-safe rushing floor. We know that he will get some work down near the goal line, although Zach Moss seems to be uh, sliding into some of that a little bit. But there's still reason to kind of believe that Josh Allen is going to rebound. I mean, this is a guy that you – know, for as much as as you know, he sort of gets maligned. I mean, he's been a top ten, top twelve fantasy quarterback each of the last couple of years, and now he has more weapons to work with. So, uh, yeah, I think I think we're good with Josh Allen. So hopefully, this gets him back to where he was the first couple of weeks of the season. All right, so those are the guys that we are for the most part okay with. Now, a little new segment we're calling. I'm salty. Uh, we're going to talk about some guys that uh, kind of left you wanting something, got you a little bit uh, heated over the weekend. And the first one, Kimmy, Nuke Hopkins. Um, you know, I know the Dolphins have been playing better, but we figured Nuke is Nuke, right? Well, maybe Xavier Howard uh, kind of trumps that because we didn't get much out of DeAndre Hopkins at all this week. Right. This was his least productive game of the entire season. And it was a tough one for me because when we were on NFL Fantasy Live earlier this week, I said, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, this could be the number one <laughs> stack of the week. It's a great matchup. They're going to go out and ball out. But then we only saw that he had three targets and three receptions. So at least he caught every target that went his way. But he ended with six fantasy points. And I really do think that this is, you know, just a consequence of that really good defense and that secondary who was all over him the entire time. I think he's going to completely bounce back. I was just talking about Josh Allen. The you know Nuke and, and Kyler Murray take on the Buffalo Bills next week, and that's a really good matchup at the wide receiver position. So I think things are good, but this was kind of a head-scratcher and a tough one. But again, in fantasy football, you're going to have these situations where guys who are still very, very, very good football players have off games, and a lot of that could be because of the game script or because of a really tough matchup so don't hit the panic button it was just kind of an off week that i think is the biggest takeaway it just it just was a bad week and give credit to Xavier howard who did a good job of locking down on deandre hopkins that might be a lesson to learn going forward though if your opponent or your wide receiver is playing against the dolphins will they match up with howard and what is that going to do potentially for them i mean that's next week it's the chargers i mean does that mean we should be a little concerned about keenan allen or mike williams i mean we will sort of uh, kind of gauge that as the week goes along but i don't think you worry about new hopkins but you know you have a right to be a little bit salty about it uh, after what happened on sunday james connor had what looked like a dream matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys' defense had been miserable all year long. I mean, most people were sort of pegging this to be a Steelers blowout. It was far from it. In fact, Pittsburgh had to struggle to eventually get the win. But James Conner got you, I think, 20 whole yards on 11 touches. It wasn't pretty. Uh, you got to be really salty if you started Connor this week. You got to be salty because when we did fantasy, I think when we did fantasy game day on Sunday, we we're talking. We we're like, we want every single part of the Steelers' offense. <laughs> they're gonna blow up. They're gonna blow up the Cowboys. And then this happened. And you're like, what is going on? Thankfully, at least Juju had a kind of bounce back, get right week. But James Connor, I really do think this is a situation where the game script just wasn't there because, like you said, we we're expecting for this to be a Steelers blowout and then them run the ball a ton to kind of get. get 
give Big Ben and his shoulder a little bit of a break, but that didn't happen. And the, and the Steelers actually played from behind the first half of the football game, meaning that once we hit the second half, Big Ben was in, in catch-up mode, and they had to throw the ball a lot more, so James Conner just wasn't involved in the run game whatsoever. Again, don't hit the panic button. This was just an off week altogether, but I am salty. I'm full-on salty. Come on, bro. <laughs> this game did not go, as you mentioned, did not go the way we expected. I think in, in all of our heads, the way we scripted this out was the Steelers go out, they throw the football early, you know, Juju and Deontay and Chase Claypool, they get theirs early on. And then in the second half, with a big lead and cruising, it's James Conner time and he gets to eat. Well, the problem is the first half, uh, everything was just sort of stunted, right? I mean, just everything, nothing happened for the Steelers offense. And so then in the second half, they did what we thought they would do in the first half, which is to throw the football, get all their receivers involved, and then score a whole lot of points. So, yeah, this 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 did not go the way we thought. It kind of went sideways there. James Conner, I think, is still sort of a fringe RB1, more of an RB2 potentially. Uh, it just didn't happen this week. And you are you're not happy. You're a little bit you're you're a little bit salted. You're a little bit seasoned uh, after this one. All right, last one. <laughs> Corey Davis and look on paper, we knew the matchup against the Bears was going to be difficult. So I, I wasn't necessarily expecting a huge blow up game from Corey Davis. But Kimmy, I didn't think that he would have the same number of catches as you and I combined. I didn't see that one coming at all. Just a a big fat donut from Corey Davis on three targets. This. This gives you, I think, a lot of right to be salty. Oh, 100%. But I was smart and started uh, A.J. Brown instead. So uh, I'm feeling pretty happy today. But yeah, this, <laughs> this was salty. Again, I think this was game script, right? Ryan Tannehill, he only threw 21 passes, meaning that he only was able to get Jonu Smith and A.J. Brown involved and give them decent stat lines. Now, now though this is a little bit of a salt-based situation where we're upset at Corey Davis and we're taking it personally, he has either had a touchdown or 100 receiving yards in four of his last seven games this season. And I think next week it's another tough matchup uh, against the Colts. So I would again temper expectations, but I don't think he'll put up a big old donut yet again. Yeah, you got to think he's, he's not going to put up a goose egg next week. And I will tell you that I sat A.J. Brown. In a oh, Marcus, side. no. Yeah, you know, I mean, I got I got a decent performance. Uh, you know, it, it was not an A.J. Brown type performance, but I got an okay performance uh, out of it instead. But, yeah, I, I really was sort of spooked by that Bears matchup. And I, I still believe in the Corey Davis, you know, the, the – redemption season, if you will, the breakout season. Uh, he's on his Devontae Parker right now, so I still think it's going to happen, and I'm still pretty confident in him, but I was not expecting what we saw from him on – or I guess what we didn't see from him because we didn't really see much of him at all <laughs> on Sunday there. All right. Today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, a leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, so download the DraftKings app now. Use code team sign use code team I should say during sign up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It's time for performance ready presented by Castrol Edge. Time to do checks marks the spot as we do at this time every Monday. So we got three guys, all three quarterbacks, all three pretty young quarterbacks who all played on Sunday and kind of dissect their performances and. Talk about how we feel about them going forward. So the first one is Jake Luton down in Jacksonville. Now, 
He stepped out, and one of his first throws ended up as a 76-yard touchdown pass to DJ Chark. And it was sort of an up-and-down game for Luton. He you know, was hot early. He got, went cold, and he got hot again. The Jaguars ended up losing, but Luton certainly was not the issue or not necessarily the main reason that they didn't beat the Houston Texans. You see that there, 304 passing yards, a touchdown, also had a rushing touchdown. Now, Timmy, Gardner Minshew is not completely out of the mix. He's still rehabbing an injured thumb. But with what you saw from Jake Luton, uh, I mean, how do you feel about him? What's your confidence level in him continuing to perform well if he gets the chance? I mean, a 21 fantasy point debut is not bad. And getting DJ Chark back to relevancy. He sat on my bench, and I just watched all of those points accumulate because we were like, <laughs> oh, no, he's not going to be good. And then Jake Luton makes him relevant again. 304 passing yards. You have to understand that's a really, really, really good stat line. We didn't really know what to expect. I think Adam Rank was really hype on Jake Luton. He's like, he's going to throw three passing touchdowns and be incredible. He didn't quite get there. Yes, he had a touchdown, also had an interception, but he also rushed for a touchdown. I do think that there's some upside there, uh, but you have to look at the situation with Gardner Minshew. Uh, as we've seen, the Jacksonville Jaguars are a little up and down. We don't really know uh, what their front office does in terms of decision making. It's, it's kind of hard to pinpoint. But I do think from here on out, Jake Luton is going to presumably start at least the next few weeks. Next week, he has a really tough matchup against the Green Bay Packers, who are eighth toughest on quarterbacks. So I don't know if I'm going to go out and start him and, and stream him right away. But he's only rostered in 0.2% of NFL.com leagues. So he's, he's available if you really do need some help. Um, if you guys here, come to me, come to me, hit me on camera. I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you my confidence meter. Okay, so here's zero. This is like, meh, meh, meh. okay, this is 100. I think I'm like here on Luton. Eh, maybe wow. right Wow, all right. right that's not I feel bad. like I'm a cheerleader again. I'm like doing like my drugs. <laughs> that's, that's not, so yeah, it's, that's it's not, not bad. bad. It's not bad. I, th I, just, I thought he had a fine you, debut. <laughs> you, you mentioned his the 0.2% you know, rostered on NFL.com. Methinks that happened between Sunday night and Monday morning. Methinks that people <laughs> went and saw what he did and went and said, hey, you know, maybe we should just add this guy just in case. Uh, I will say the things that are working against him. Let me just say the things that worked for him. I mean, he went out there and obviously showed no fear, uh, was not afraid to throw the ball downfield and get his best receiver involved. That's definitely a positive. Uh, you know, he, he really tried to bring the Jaguars all the way back. They just couldn't get a two-point conversion, and that was sort of the difference between them losing that game and, and tying it and possibly sending it to overtime. That was good. What's working against him is, one, as you mentioned, Gardner Minshew hasn't completely lost the job yet. He's still dealing with an injury, and I think when he's healthy, he's still going to have a claim to be the starter there. The other part is also what you mentioned is the schedule. It's the Packers this week. Uh, it's the Steelers the week after that. So, you know, the the combination of the schedule not being one that makes you want to start him and the fact that the incumbent quarterback is likely going to come back means that uh, I loved what I saw out of Jake Luton. I love the fact that he made DJ Chark relevant and James Robinson could still go out and, and get his touches as well. Uh, I think I think there are too many factors working, unfortunately, against Jake Luton as being a thing long-term in Jacksonville. But hey, man, Pac-12 after dark, getting its shine, going from Washington State to Oregon State. Man, we're getting, we're getting some Pac-12 love down there in Duval County. And I, for one, dig it. All right, staying in the state of Florida, Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, I guess he played that game in Arizona, but he plays for the Miami Dolphins. And last week against the Rams, they didn't need him to do a whole lot because the defense played really well. On Sunday, they needed a little bit more out of him, and he responded in a big way. 
Uh, he spread the football around. He made plays. He ran the ball fairly effectively when he needed to. I, I got to think that, you know, considering how, how confident you were about Jake Luton, you got to be super confident in Tua now. Oh, I'm hype on to it. I think this was also just a really fun game because you think about him and Kyler Murray playing against each other in college. You think about the Heisman race. So I kind of went in thinking that two was going to ball out and he was going to shine. And that he did. Now, this is an impressive stat. He completed 71% of his throws and averaged 8.9 yards per attempt. He was really, really, really good. Finished with over 21 fantasy points, 14th amongst fantasy quarterbacks. And he also finished just shy of leading the team in rushing yards. Because of that, I have full confidence in Tua from here on out. He's a guy who is probably available uh, out on the waiver wire in most leagues. And they have a favorable schedule. Next up, they take on the Chargers, then the Broncos, then the Jets, and then the Bengals. If you look at all those teams uh, and their defenses, they're giving up points to the quarterback position. He has a high upside uh, because that he also rushes the ball. He has a good arm. He can throw the ball. So confidence meter time. Are we ready? Boom. Luton was like there. Tua, you're all the way over here. <laughs> yeah. I I'm feeling you, yeah, bro. <laughs> I, 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 am, I am incredibly confident in Tua, and you see – well, you see why, you know, all the jokes about Tank for Tua were going on uh, a couple years ago, and, and you see why the Dolphins were super excited about him. And, you know, for where we were maybe a few weeks ago when we were sort of hand-wringing over why would the Dolphins make the change at quarterback now, why would they go away from Ryan Fitzpatrick, now you're seeing why Miami made the change. I mean, we, we love Fitzy. He's fun to watch. But the ceiling with Tua is definitely higher. So uh, I think you got to really be excited about what's coming. You mentioned the matchup against the Chargers, who have been very friendly to quarterbacks over the course of the season. So uh, we'll talk waiver wire stuff in a while. But, but uh, Tua Tagovailoa is a guy that is going to be very, very popular, I think, on waiver wire. And he's available in a vast majority of NFL.com leagues. Last one up. Garrett Gilbert uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. And look, I know that immediately his performance doesn't necessarily blow you away. I mean, uh, you get 14 and a half fantasy points. That's not really anything to write home about. But I put him in here because he went out and he did that against arguably the league's best defense. I mean, the, the Cowboys had the Steelers on their heels for most of that game. And Gilbert went out. He was very aggressive. He got Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb involved in this one. So, I mean, considering what the result was, and who the opponent was, where's your confidence level in Garrett Gilbert? I mean, it, it, it's there, and it was. I was rooting for them because, I, you know, the Steelers are undefeated, so if they lost a game, I'd be fine with it. And I, I kind of am ready for a Cowboy bounce back and just give them a little bit of faith but we have to look at what's going to happen now. We talked about this with Jake Luton uh, and Gardner Minshew. The Cowboys are now on a bye, and then they come back in Week 11 – and then Andy Dalton re-enters the conversation. So now uh, it becomes a question of what is Mike McCarthy and that coaching staff going to do at the quarterback position? So just because of that, I don't really know where my confidence is. If I had to do the meter, I'm probably like here. So the lowest out of the three guys <laughs> on this list, because we don't really know what's going to happen from here on out. I think with at least with Jake Luton, there's a little bit more confidence that he could play a, 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 the next few weeks. But in this situation, you really have no idea if they're going to go back to Andy Dalton or if this guy's going to stay in the lineup. I, I have a feeling that we probably have seen the last of Garrett Gilbert, barring, obviously, uh, a, another injury, not not wishing it, but that might be the thing that would have to get him back on the field because you're right. When Andy Dalton's healthy, 
he's probably going to come back and take over that job again. So it was a nice one week thing from Garrett Gilbert. It was it was kind of fun to go out there and see him kind of rock the Steelers a little bit. And I know folks that were in survivor pools that uh, took the Steelers were sweating this one out a little bit <laughs> because what seemed like a sure thing was not so much of one. Uh, it was also nice to see a quarterback get some of his primary weapons involved. It was good to see Amari Cooper uh, and C.D. Lamb kind of get the ball in their hands again because, you know, we were starting to doubt. We were starting to get a little bit nervous, especially this week. So maybe this can kind of uh, spur good things there. But you're right. We're not going to see them for a couple of weeks. But when we do, it's against the Minnesota Vikings. So maybe there's a chance we can get some of these Cowboys receivers back in our lives. All right. So now you guys get a chance out there to vote on which of these guys you feel the most confident in. He thinks I know where that boat is going to go. But hey, let's just put it out there for the masses anyway. You can go check it out uh, at Kimmy's Twitter page. That's at Kimmy Checks on Twitter. Make your voice heard. And, uh, you know, let us know which of these guys you think has the highest ceiling going forward. That was Performance Ready presented by Castrol Edge. Salute to Service is the NFL's year-round effort to honor, empower, and connect with our nation's service members, veterans, and their families through long-standing partnerships that support our military community. The NFL, its clubs, and players thank all of our armed forces serving in the United States and around the world. Join the NFL in Salute to Service by visiting nfl.com salute. Time to take a look at some of the waiver wire options that await you heading into week 10. We have reached the double digit weeks. Man, this, it, it goes very quickly. But let's look, starting at the quarterback spot, Drew Locke, who's been out there for a couple of weeks, is a nice option for you. Jared Goff, Tua Tagovailoa, who we talked about a little bit earlier in the show. At running back, your options include Duke Johnson, Joshua Kelly, Kalen Balage who might be the next on the list of Adam Gay's expats to go and have some success. J.D. McKissick, who's getting work there in Washington as well. Turning our attention to the wide receivers, Nelson Aguilar. Okay, we can we can stop with the jokes. I mean, except for that one <laughs> gif, you know, the guy with his bug eyes. That, that That's still funny. But the Aguilar's playing well. He's out there. Curtis Samuel talked about the, at the top of the show. Jakeem Grant, depending on how serious the injury is with Preston Williams down in Miami. At tight end, you got Jordan Reed and Irv Smith. And if you're looking for a defense to stream, the Philadelphia Eagles have a very nice matchup coming up this week. I uh, want to go back, though, to the quarterback spot. And you know, I've talked about Drew Locke a lot the last couple of weeks. We talked about Tua uh, already in this show. Jared Goff, though, and I know he's sort of been up and down, but he's a guy with a very favorable matchup this week. And at least you know, for one week, I think could be a pretty solid streaming option for you. You think? I, I'm like still a little spooked because of that performance before their bye week against the Miami Dolphins. Now we've seen that the Dolphins defense is actually legit, so uh, it kind of makes sense why Jared Goff was completely shut down. But you're right, he's been a little bit volatile, a, a lot of up and down. But again, you made a point. His next game is against the Seattle Seahawks, and then he takes on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So maybe next week he is a streaming option even though he's only had three games with over 23 fantasy points, Marcus? I, I, I think he's a streaming option because, one, I mean, we have seen the Seahawks just are, are giving up so many yards and so many touchdowns through the air that that is sort of reassuring. And combine it with the fact that Seattle doesn't give up much on the ground. And I know that the Rams want to try to run the football, but if they can't, then you know, they're going to have to put the game in Goff's hands. So I still think that you're, you're – Best options for streaming. I think it's some combination of Drew Locke and Tua uh, are your top two guys. But if none of those guys are available, if Jared Goff is still hanging around out there and, and he's available 
in, in nearly 55% of NFL.com leagues, uh, then I think you can sort of plug him in there and, and hope for about 18, 19 points. Because, again, look, if you're streaming a quarterback, I think you, know, you want to get around 18 to 20 points. And anything more than that, you can consider gravy. So while I understand the consternation about Jared Goff, uh, I think this is a week that, you know, you can kind of give him some run and, and see what he gets for you. The other one is Irv Smith. And, you know, time and again, we get to this part of the year and we are reminded that tight end is sort of a, a struggle. And Irv Smith, who I think a lot of us were waiting for, finally looks like he's coming together. And so for anybody who needs tight end help, and look, granted, Travis Kelsey's on a bye this week, so a lot of folks are going to be hurting at that spot. Irv Smith looks like he may be getting some attention in the Minnesota offense. I love this. And you have to look. Yes, he only had, you know, 10 receiving yards, but he get, he did get two touchdowns. And, and that's what we want as fantasy managers. We want, to, we want to get those points, and that's what he gave us. Now, speaking of the tight end position, like you said, Travis Kelsey, he's out on a bye this week. George Kittle, presumably out for the rest of the season. Noah Fant yesterday left the game for a little bit uh, because he was a little bit banged up. Thankfully, he came back into the game. If you guys could have seen my face, once Noah went out, because I am like so stretched thin at the tight end positions, and I'm I just only load up on Iowa Hawkeye tight ends. My I was like pulling my hair. No wonder my hair is so slick back today. It's because I was like this the entire time. So if you are like me and you are irresponsible as a fantasy manager at the tight end position, I think you can absolutely go out and target Irv Smith as well as Logan Thomas. So there's some uh, good tight ends that I think are still available in most NFL.com leagues. While I'm I'm happy for Noah Fant that he was able to come back into the game and whatever happened didn't appear to be serious. It did rob me of the opportunity to come on this podcast and say the name Albert Okuyabunam. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was bound to just shoehorn that thing into this show because I had spent so much time this offseason practicing how to say Okuyabunam. Uh, and and I, I did not, I really thought we were going to be able to talk about him uh, you know, as a pickup this week, but uh, you know, it, it is, it's good to see Fant is healthy. He's back out there. He's a big part of the, the Broncos passing game, and, and he really has become an important part uh, in fantasy as well. If you are making a waiver claim, if you have top priority this week on your waiver wire, where are you f focusing your efforts? Well, the news of Christian McCaffrey, the news heard around the world, the news around heard the fantasy world. Now that's got me completely shook up because I do have a few shares of Christian McCaffrey, and I've been kind of playing around the running back position this entire season, but I have to look ahead to the playoffs. Because of that, this is a little, this is a little risky, but not actually because he's really good this week. I want to look to go get J.D. McKissick. Now, I know later on in the show, I don't want to tease it too much, we're going to talk about which guy do you trust more, Antonio Gibson <laughs> or McKissick? But I'm rocking with McKissick on this one because of his performance this week. I, I'm really stretched thin at the running back position. So I think I'm going to go out there, risk it for the biscuit, McKissick. Oh, that was good. No? Oh, yeah. oh. Uh, 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 bars. Uh, I'm a rapper. <laughs> Dropping bars. Uh, J.D. McKissick actually is getting a lot of snaps in Washington. And, and you're right. We will talk about this in the next segment. I, because for this reason, that McKissick's playing a lot. And, you know, it is sort of clouding the situation back there between he and Antonio Gibson. So that, that definitely makes sense. I want to go with Tua because of 
couple of the teams that are on a bye. The Chiefs are on a bye. The Falcons are on a bye, which means Patrick Mahomes is not playing. It means that uh, Matt Ryan is not playing for anybody that's rostered him or has been starting him the last few weeks. So I think needing a quarterback is going to be important. I like what Tua brought. I like the fact that he's got the Chargers as a matchup. And I like that you know, he's a guy that potentially has some staying power in a year where we've already seen two of the rookie quarterbacks go out and do well in Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Uh, maybe Tua can sort of take that next step as well. So I, I would try to spend a lot of my energy uh, seeing how I could get him off the waiver wire in spots where he is available. Running back rotations are the bane of our fantasy existence, but we still have to figure out how to navigate them in order to be successful. We've talked a lot about the Rams to the point that I think, you know, we, I don't know, we, we either have solved it or we've just given up. So we'll <laughs> stay away from that one for now. But let's get to one, and we teased it earlier, in Washington, where you know, we have been big on Antonio Gibson all season long, and, and he's had some really nice weeks in there for Washington and for fantasy. But now, the last couple of weeks, we've seen a lot more J.D. McKissick, and he had a nice game on Sunday against the Giants, and he actually played more snaps than, than Antonio Gibson. So if you have to plant a flag somewhere in that Washington backfield, are you planting it? Uh, on the McKissick side or the Gibson side, understanding that, you know, you, you talked about picking up McKissick off the waiver wire, but you know, all things being equal, uh, which side are you rocking with? All right, all sides being equal, I'm going to rock with Antonio Gibson, though I do think that J.D. McKissick will still continue to be involved in that run game. Even though he has kind of played more steps than Gibson the last few weeks, I think Gibson is the number one lead back in that offense, and there's just a little bit more consistency there for me. So I'm going to rock with Gibson, but still try and go get J.D. McKissick out on the waiver wire. I have often said that when it comes to fantasy football and fantasy analysis, we tend to like these shiny new things. And Antonio Gibson is kind of the shiny new thing in the Washington offense. I mean, J.D. McKissick has been playing well, but he's also a guy who's kind of been around the league a little bit. We have seen him. We, we saw him never really get a full opportunity in Seattle in the past. And he is sort of buried on the depth chart in Washington. And so at some point you start to wonder, well, maybe there's a reason for that. There is a reason that Washington elevated uh, Antonio Gibson have, has given him a big role. So I'm with you. I'm going to I'm going to go with Gibson on this one and, and believe that he's going to be the guy to sort of win out. But understanding, like you said, McKissick is still going to hang around. He's not going to disappear because... It seems to be working, having this two-headed attack back there, especially considering the issues they've had at quarterback. Didn't mention even that Kyle Allen suffered a really awful-looking ankle injury, so we're not sure how long he's going to be out. So that really does cloud things uh, in the Washington offense. Over to Detroit. We keep asking for DeAndre Swift to just get a full workload, to be a true workhorse. And obviously our pleas have fallen on deaf ears in the Motor City because Adrian Peterson is still getting on the field. Uh, on Johnson is starting to get more snaps and more touches here. So whatever we want for DeAndre Swift, as I always say, it's good to want things, but apparently what we want for DeAndre Swift is not what we're going to get. Nonetheless, which running back of those three do you trust the most in that backfield? 
I'm, I'm still rocking with Swift on this one, and, and maybe they'll hear our battle cries to really get him incorporated in the run game <laughs> any more, even more. But he did account for 13 of the team's 27 total rushing attempts. This was his second highest total of the season, and he wasn't horrible. He was pretty, he was pretty effective, racking up two carries for more than 15 yards. But you also have to see he's involved in the passing game, and he has huge upside just because he does get some red zone opportunities and looks as well. So I know it's going to continue to be cloudy, but I think with confidence we can say that it's DeAndre Swift. I completely agree. I guess what's frustrating to me is you see that line there, right? He ends up with 97 scrimmage yards on 16 touches. That's pretty efficient. It's pretty effective. And yet it's really frustrating to see the Lions still running those other guys out there. I mean, here you are. You are trying to build this team. I mean, this is an offense that has sort of gone backwards. It's a team that has gone backwards since Matt Patricia has taken over. But here you are with an opportunity to build this team around a dynamic young running back. And for whatever reason, you decide to still trot out your 35-year-old veteran running back and give him touches. I don't understand it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I say it partially selfishly out of fantasy purposes because, you know, that's what I get paid to talk about. But also because it just seems to make sense from a football perspective. Why not give your young guy who you spent some draft capital on the opportunity to go out and prove what he can do, especially when he has gone out and shown you on multiple occasions what it is he can do. But then again, I talk about fake football for a living, so what do I <laughs> um, Staying in the Midwest and moving over to Indianapolis, the Jonathan Taylor experiment isn't quite working out the way I think a lot of us anticipated it would be. And it's not for lack of opportunity. They are giving him chances He's just not doing much with it. And then on Sunday, I had a costly fumble that turned into a scoop and score. We started to see more Jordan Wilkins. We started to see more Naheem Hines. This is a full-on competition now back there. So, again, if you're planting the flag in Indianapolis, where are you going? I, I don't know. Like, like, <laughs> I, like I, was, I was really thinking of this question of, like, who could, who could I side with? Part of me still wants to say Jonathan Taylor because they went out and, and spent a first-round pick on him, and he did start as the number one back in that offense. But then I feel like it was a little bit of a petty party yesterday because because then we, we saw Jordan Wilkins get involved, and you can see head coach Frank Wright really really making it abundantly clear that he's completely fine having Wilkins involved. Thankfully, Jonathan Taylor got into the end zone and got a touchdown, which helped my fantasy team. But this is like the number one running back conundrum for me, and I really don't even know how to move forward, especially as we get closer to the fantasy playoffs of if Jonathan Taylor is still an every week starter or not. Eight touches for 34 yards for Jonathan Taylor. You mentioned the touchdown, which sort of helped, but the fumble definitely did not. And as much as people want to make him a thing this year, it look, maybe it just doesn't happen this year, at least not the way we want. And it looks like the Colts are starting to get frustrated waiting for it to happen. And here's the thing. I remember, I'm old enough to remember Melvin Gordon's rookie season, and everybody watched him not score a touchdown at all his rookie year and wonder whether or not he was going to be a bust. And look, look not to, you know, not to you know, make any sort of correlation, both of these guys are Wisconsin running backs, right? And so maybe it's going to take Taylor a year or so to adjust because that second year, Melvin Gordon was great. So maybe, maybe it's just not going to happen the way it will. 
in the meantime, I guess if I guess I'm losing faith because I, I'm starting to lean more toward the Naheem Hines sort of the equation. He seems to have a consistent role as the pass catcher there. He's not going to get carries the way uh, Wilkins or Taylor will, but he is going to catch the football, which could mean a lot in an offense that is looking for consistent quality pass catchers. But this has become way more of a headache than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I, I did not see it going this way. And I know for a lot of folks who were really, really high on Jonathan Taylor, and look, I was too. I thought, I thought coming out of college, he was the best back in that draft. But so far through nine weeks of the season, it certainly has not played out that way. Uh, it's hard to say he's the best back in the draft right now. It's hard to say he's even the best back on his own team. That's sort of where we are with Jonathan Taylor. One last game in week nine. It is a matchup between the Patriots and the Jets on Monday night football. And by the way, if you haven't already, you should download the NFL Fantasy app. I mean, even if you are uh, playing elsewhere, download the app because you can watch games for free through the app. It is fantastic. I do it a lot, especially when I'm uh, you know, off doing dad detail and I can't be in front of the TV. I can pull out the phone. I can keep going with what's uh, what's happening in the game. So uh, check it out. You can watch live games, including tonight's for free 99. So it's, uh, it's pretty great. Uh, all right. Let's talk about this game as well here tonight between the Patriots and the Jets. Uh, once upon a time, this was I don't want to say it's a rivalry, but it was it was talked up, right? You had Bill Belichick and Rex Ryan, and Ryan would talk a whole lot of trash, and then the Jets would get thumped, and everybody would have a good laugh, and we'd move on to the next week. Uh, we don't really have that quite so much this week, but we do still have Cam Newton, who, you know, was hot, then he was cold, then he had a good game last week. So what do you project for Cam tonight? I'm projecting, I'm doing like my little Cynthia Freeland, my little projection. I'm projecting <laughs> 23 fantasy points tonight. Uh, I think this is another game where Cam Newton goes out and he can shine. The Jets, obviously, not so hot of a football team. Their defense, though, uh, they're allowing the ninth most fantasy points to the quarterback position. Obviously, we know that Cam Newton can run the football quite effectively. So because of that, I think he's going to get 23 fantasy points. And hopefully, he'll have a passing touchdown because he's had four consecutive games without one. So hopefully, this is the get right passing touchdown game for Cam Newton. I'm I'm going to give him 19 points, and I think a lot of it will be because of him running the football. I, I have him for a rushing touchdown in this one. I think a passing touchdown would be sort of gravy if he gets one here. I know that Adam Rank projected hit for one of his stacks this past week, uh, Cam Newton and Demir Bird. In fact, I, I did uh, create a daily lineup with Demir Bird in it just because, you know, if it goes anywhere, maybe that's where the passing touchdown goes in this <laughs> one. But I but I do think that if Cam succeeds, it's going to be running the football. And I think he'll give you a decent number. 19, not great, not terrible, but I think that's about where he will land tonight. Looking at the guys lining up behind him potentially, uh, the Patriots expected to – uh, activate Sony Michelle off injured reserve. Damian Harris uh, has been playing well, though he's a little bit banged up coming into this game. Would you consider starting one, either, both? Who would it be? I mean, we've already been burned by Patriot running backs for seasons of, upon seasons now. But if you are desperate and you do have to start a running back tonight, I think I would lean with Damian Harris, even though he was questionable early this week and he's a little banged up with injury. I just think the consistency uh, has been there all season long. So, I, I'd rock with Harris. I, I don't know if I'm going to go out and expect huge things from any of these running backs, but Harris has had two 100-yard rushing games to his name this season, where Sony Michelle has just done it once over the last 20 games he's played. 
I'm definitely going with with Damian Harris, and again, it's sort of the the shiny newer thing. I won't say he's a newer new thing, but uh, the newer thing there because we've seen Sony Michelle, we sort of know how this goes, and it's not particularly great. So if I had to pick one, it's going to be Damian Harris. I, I would give him a shot as a flex option. I think he's a decent uh, piece for daily if you want to go that route with it. And at some point, I would love for the Patriots to just sort of turn this job over to him in the backfield and sort of do away with all this. I mean, we still we still have James White floating around, Rex Burkhead floating around. At some point, it would be nice to see them consolidate. But we all know that, that Bill Belichick does not care about our fantasy team. So uh, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> all right, last one. On the other side there, the Jets, there's not a lot exciting about the offense. We know Jamison Crowder is probably going to see his targets uh, as long as he's out there on the field. That's fine. In the backfield, I have been sort of stumping for LaMichael P. Ryan to get more opportunities. I love Frank Gore, but it just doesn't make sense to keep giving him as many touches as they are. Um, am I am I just am I shouting into the wind here? Am I screaming into the void? Or would you actually think about saying daily fantasy considering the Michael P. Ryan tonight? I, I would rock in a daily fantasy format. I don't think in a standard league I would go and start him as my running back. Uh, but I, 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 I like the daily play. You know, I don't think you're screaming out into the void because we're waiting for his blowout game. We understand that they have both him and Frank Gore, and you would think that they'd want to put the young guy out there and let him fully explode. Sadly, it just hasn't happened yet this season. But I do think he's on the fringe of making that dominant fantasy performance. So I think people should keep kind of keeping an eye on him and see when, depending on the matchup, it's smart to get him into your flex or play him in daily fantasy. This is very similar to what I said about the Lions earlier, that you've got a young guy out there, especially especially for the Jets. I mean, you are winless. You are not going anywhere. I mean, at least the Lions can sort of pretend they're still sort of hanging around the playoff race a little bit. The Jets have no such illusions. So why not give P. Ryan an opportunity to see what he can do instead of running your aging back, your aged back out there and giving him touches. And again, I say this as somebody who is a huge Frank Gore fan. I've loved watching him play. I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame when his career is over. But uh, it just doesn't make sense for a team that's going nowhere to keep banging him into the back of his offensive line. So uh, I'm hoping that we start to see more of the Michael P. Ryan and maybe it starts tonight uh, against the Patriots. There you go. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, if you had to choose between eating tacos or being skinny for the rest of your life, would you choose hard or soft tacos? Be safe, <laughs> take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we will see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.